This is the Sounding Board Podcast with Hachi and Damo. Thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Nice to have your company on the Sounding Board for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to drink, choose to Drinkwise. Episode 37, Series 8, Thursday morning of this week. It's official trade period, AFL style, on this particular Thursday morning. And I uh, am talking, as I regularly do throughout the course of any given year, to Craig Cutchison. And down the line, I can see you on a computer screen, Hutchie. I can see some reference to it being a Queensland destination for you. Good morning. Hello, Damo. Yes, in Brisbane this week. So uh, the steamy mornings that you know too well from your days covering the the uh, Queensland Bulls Sheffield Shield team as part of the beat you had here when you tried to take the Brisbane Bears on and famously feuded with uh, Scotty Clayton and Alan Piper and others. Noel Gordon. And all my, Roger Merritt. No, Noel Gordon. Noel Gordon and ended up in the middle of the... Uh, you almost you almost fractured this football club in your two years here at the Courier Mail in Brisbane. Well, it was three Seven years. Year old town. It was three years, and uh, <laughs> it wasn't quite as dramatic as that. But it uh, actually that that what the last year of those three was '98, and that was the year they uh, they did implode, Hutchie, with or without any outside reporting from the Courier Mail at the time. They were uh, they were doing a pretty good job of fracturing uh, internally, externally, in the city, everywhere. So, yeah, the, they, uh, the, the one town beat is a tough gig. Because you've got to manage basically one relationship, one giant relationship, and we've seen it. And there's some very good ones. I, uh, Craig O'Donoghue in the West Australian springs to mind, who we deal with with the Perth Wildcats, and he manages the West Coast and Fremantle, and he's forever uh, balancing the what's in the public interest versus trying to maintain a relationship at the same time. You, you, uh, for someone so conservative. You really had a crash or crash through philosophy here in Brisbane, didn't you? You, you ended up at war with everybody. You, that, fact, well, that, no, you that, created that is, the factions. That is not true because some of my better friends to have emerged uh, from my time in this uh, Cape Hutchie have uh, have main, been maintained from the Brisbane Bears into the Brisbane Lions days, actually. so I would argue that you've also some of your greatest enemies to this day were born in that particular uh, era as well. Um, Yes, but I've patched all of them up, as you know. There's only one I don't have uh, resolved, and that's got nothing to do with Brisbane Bears or Brisbane Lions, Hutchie. So, yeah. no. Uh, just remind me though of the of that steaminess around this time of year, there, Hutchie. I, I remember when uh, when I first got there, you couldn't you couldn't have a shower and, and and even get to your car without breaking out yet again into a sweat. It was a you could never cool down after if you if you went for a run in the morning up there in Brisbane at this time of year. Yeah, I think if you overlaid my current fitness, you'd probably get the picture. But uh, it's this city's booming sport-wise. Yep. It's the run into the Olympics is going to be enormous, and uh, eight, well, it's eight years away. There's a lot of work to do in a short period of time. But the investment in sport and the migration of sport to Southern Queensland, Damo, is enormous. We've got SENQ here where I am, six ninety-three AM, and it's well positioned. But there's so much going on in the world of sport here. Did you see, Damo, that the that cricket? is now in the Olympics in yeah. 2028. I, I did, sir. I don't get it. I was sorry, so I want to say I don't get it. I, I do get it. And you're going to take us behind the scenes as to how this has happened and why. And I get this part of it that you're about to outline. But what, what I don't get is the Olympics is probably in a, in a period now where it's seeking a relevance that, that is quite problematic for it. And, and I don't get why a sport like cricket needs to be added to it. Well, what, what what happens with most things? Why do most things get done, Damo? There's only one reason they get done, Hutchie, and uh, yep. you don't need to ask me that. It's uh, it's follow the money trail. And that's, that's it. What that's we're exactly do right. Yeah. So but the best read on this from the outside, from, from high in the cheap seats, is something like this. 
the Olympic Games are seeking relevance through harder relevance through Asia. India is one of, if not the fastest growing region or economy. It is obsessed with cricket. And which Sorry, Olympics are we referring to here? Actually, uh, obviously, we're about to come into an Olympics year, but are you referring to the 28 or 32? Yeah, well, 28 is where it starts, but then 32 will continue here in, in Brisbane. So there's a want to try and open up TV rights and money and interest in India and to get the Olympics more relevant. And from all accounts, they're not as relevant in India as they are in other parts of the world. And so... It's the you know, it's the fastest growing sport in the world because of the volume of the Indian population and community. So, it's the the meeting demo to decide the decision. The IOC meeting. Have a guess where that was being held. <laughs> well, again, I actually don't know this, but let me have a guess. India. 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 Yes. Okay. <laughs> so they're going to go and vote on cricket in India and come away with a negative decision, are they? So yeah. that's a boat race if ever I've seen one. Yeah. And then there's always a bit of pork barreling, Damo. You don't love your politics. You're like, okay, well, we're going to give you a cricket. Yep. What else do we get? And just see what else has bobbed up now in the 2028 Olympics. No, tell me. Flag football. Oh, no. Is this, so, is this rugby league or, or NFL style? No, it's a version of the NFL, but with flag football. So, or it's, you know, it's, it's a close um, non-contact cousin to it. So that's Hang on, there's going to be a gold medal for flag football. So if that's not oh, pork, if that's not pork barreling, if that's not the LA organising committee saying, well, I tell you what, if we're going to cop cricket oh. and we can't get a version of football here, uh, give me and then lacrosse, which is also very US friendly. Well, that's huge in the US, isn't it? Huge in the college systems. Yep. So there's five proposed new sports. Oh. Uh, heavy haggling. There was pork barreling going on here. Oh. Um, the the the, the uh, current. Broadcast rights in India are only worth about twenty million, and that'll rise to about they reckon one hundred and fifty million on the back of cricket alone going in. So that's that's the uh, and are they going to play a, a one day tournament or a T twenty T twenty surely T twenty so, yeah T twenty, and then flag football, which will be five on five non contact sport variant of American football. Oh. So that's that's the piece the NFL have been pushing. Um, lacrosse and then squash has been lobbying for years. It might have been the compromise for a delegate. There'd be a delegate squash. down the corridor saying, "Well, we're going to appease the Americans with the the flag football and the cross." And where's my squash? I squash love squash, but I haven't played it for 25 years, and I don't think it's really worthy of an Olympic gold medal these days, Hachi. And it's it's big through uh, Pakistan and areas like that too. Yeah, so, it is. Yep. Yeah. So. The five have been pork barreled. That inevitably means cricket will be here in Brisbane in 32, which I think puts pressure on the whole... Um, well, I don't think it puts too much pressure on the on the Gabba because that's going to get done regardless. But the, whether the Gabba remains the, the athletics venue will, will get interesting, I think, because... Well, they couldn't play, well, they couldn't play cricket there. Now, they, surely the, the Gabba is going to be the uh, athletics track, surely. Well, it's, it's earmarked to be. Uh, I'm not as certain that the stakeholders who play there ongoing want the Aths there. And you can join the dots on that. And then places well, like Ellen Border... in itself. They're, they're, they're redeveloping this stadium for the opening ceremony, aren't they? And and usually, traditionally, that's where the, the track is. And then, then it puts pressure on Ellen Border Field, which I don't think is in the... Or areas like that, which I don't think are in the investment funnel at the moment in Brisbane. So right. cricket wasn't in the original budget. So anyway, it's going to get interesting. But it's you're right, Domo. It's all about... Um, and I think it, putting my business hat on for a sec, Damo, it makes if you can grow revenue in India and interest in the 
fastest growing population by that much in one move. You're mad not to take the T20. That's a no-brainer move. But then clearly there's been some uh, sweetheart quid pro quos done on the way through. Well, at least in that regard, I mean, you talk about the growth of of various sports and and cricket's obviously being driven purely by the Indian dollar. But they've been trying to crack that US market now for the best part of 30 years, haven't they? I mean, Sachin Tendulkar's had cracks at it. Shane Warne had a crack at the, playing some games, didn't he, back in um, in the baseball stadiums in ever formed, didn't they? That, that wasn't that the long first, ago. The first go of the T20 tournament they ran there in uh, August, I thought was all right. You know, it was a decent start, and it'll keep growing on the back of largely expats early, but it'll grow. And with baseball being a bit on the slide, don't you think baseball's got a huge problem on its hand? Like, how does it reinvent itself to be relevant in... 2024-25 baseball now, given the length of games. Well, le- the le- length of games, goes. length of season, and and is, is it one? Is it one sixty games they play still? Is it, is it? Have I got that number right? It's a huge volume like that, yeah. and the and the length of those games is just basically now wallpaper, isn't it? Well, they still only go into overtime, don't they? Even in a normal game, um, which would have already gone for four or five hours. Yeah, I, again, I, I love it, and I certainly love this time of year in baseball because the playoffs are on. But I've got no interest in following the. The fortunes of a team for 160 matches before you get to the playoffs. Obviously, we're in the early part of your 22 weeks annual leave, so you're just doing a little bit of trade to keep your hand in for the moment. Have you started L- to chime in on your NFL? Three hours a day. Have you started to chime in on your NFL summer yet? Or are you uh, I watched. I actually watched for the first time this uh, season a game at the very start the other day. I can't even think which one it was. It was the. It was. My, my team was the Raiders against the Packers, Hutchie. There you go. I, I didn't watch the whole game, but I actually watched the start of it. So we're up to week six, I think, aren't we now? So What do you mean your team, the Raiders? Are you now a Raider? Oh, I've always been a Raider deep down. One of my many teams. What do you mean deep down? Well, I thought you were, I thought, um, I thought Turtle had swayed you over to... I thought you, as the turtle to JB's mini chase, I thought he'd swayed you over to the Cleveland Browns. No, nah, when I first went to the States as a, as a 20-year-old or whatever that was back in, the, the, back in 1990, the, the Raiders back then were based in LA before they then went elsewhere. And uh, they're, now they're back. So, although they're back in Vegas now, aren't they? But um, no, nah, the, the, the black and silver has always been the, um, the, the deep down. Club speaking, of, speaking of being JB's turtle... Um, what's your official role in the wedding? Are you are you there to pick up the guests in the car? Because you will be picking me up at the airport in JV's SUVs. Will you be like you'll be running around and doing the errands all week in in uh, West Australia? So, well, will I when I get off the plane with Claire, will I see you at the airport in a you know a JB tribute T-shirt or a, a tuxedo or something picking me up? And what what is your role that week, Turtle, in the formalities? Didn't even know you were going, Hutchie. Of course, I'm going. I know you miss going. it. I know you're going. Um, no, Do no. Have official role? No, no. I'm going to have a lunch uh, at some stage of the next uh, probably week or two with Jim. Or we'll, we might sort out the plans then. Yeah. So you've got you've got a role. You're making a speech, or you uh, you've got to pick people up, or you a concierge on the day. You've got to usher people to their seats because you're the turtle. Like you'll have a role. What what role is it? It's um. What what about the people who who didn't book their flights when the invitations went out and now they've got a real problem because the same weekend is coinciding with a, with a very big concert <laughs> and return air flights may have, well I was going to say may have, have more than quadrupled in price, yep. Hutchie. So, yep. yeah. I can just imagine his response to that. Is there a problem, Damo? I, should, I gave him notice. Well, he did actually. He gave plenty of notice on that. So. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Um, now, speaking of money trails, Hutchie, I, I actually did some research for this show today, and, and I often do, but I, oh, I this required a bit of time. I got home late last night. I was out, uh, and I decided to tally up the prize money on offer at Randwick on Saturday against the prize money on offer at Caulfield on Saturday. And this is the Caulfield Guineas Day in Melbourne, and it's the Everest Stakes Day in Sydney. Just before you start, yes, I have. I get a lot of feedback on just how irrelevant you are when it comes to racing and how how painful your commentary is. So you need to say we'll that allow, because you're, you're funded and propped up by the racing industry here in Victoria. So we'll, you, I know you need to say that. We'll allow four minutes, and then <laughs> for those four. listening on the podcast, if you want to just go <laughs> go through the four minutes and get to win back when we get relevant again, <laughs> here we go. All right. Well, Hutchie, just get your head around this number. There's ten races at both meetings. Yep. The total prize money, and I've done these calculations myself. So these are these are numbers based on websites. Well, don't give us the Doctor Evil build-up. Just get to the punchline. Okay, Randwick, thirty-one million six hundred and ten thousand dollars. Yep. For ten races, there, there's there's three, two races worth two million, one race worth five million, and one race, that being the Everest, worth twenty million dollars. There's also another one million dollar race and another half a million dollar. Sorry, another two half a million dollar races. Yep. You go to Caulfield, Hutchie. Now, again, this, these are not numbers to sneeze at either. And this is Stakes Day, not... So this is Guineas this Day, is not Guineas Cup Day. Day for the first year. First yeah. time, yeah. So the Guineas yeah. is worth $3 million, which which is a good prize for, you know, traditionally, for a three-year-old uh, Colts and Geldings, all, all three-year-old races. $3 million. Uh, You've got the Turo County Gap. The, uh, the, I love the Turo County Gap. A million dollars. And you've also got the Might and Power, which is a rebadged race. Um, but anyway, it's called the Might and Power these days. That's also worth a million dollars. So in totality, the 10 races at Caulfield, and remember, we're comparing this with Randwick, 31.6 million yep at Caulfield yep 6.1 million over 10 races now that, that's not a number to sneeze at by the way but how is it that it's 25 and a half million dollars short of of a carnival that only six years ago did not exist in Sydney and has totally overtaken the mindset of the entire industry on such a short period of time and one that was besmirched by everyone to do with racing here in Victoria. In fact, Amanda yep. Elliott, I keep reminding people, said that Peter Valenis is a silly little man with silly little ideas. That silly little idea and that silly little man, according to her, has taken over racing in this country. And, and all Victorian racing seems to do is complain about it and, and not do anything about it. Well, I, I, with you on pretty much everything to the last sentence, I don't agree with your last sentence because the Melbourne Racing Club has actually worked with them this year to schedule the day. So Josh Blanks, be the leader there, has done a good job in figuring out the, the national clock with Peter Valenti on with the them. day. I, I don't think he would have taken a call from the Melbourne Racing Club and said, when, and do you, when, when do you want to run your race? He would have said, we're running ours on October and, 14 this year. And for Caulfield and I also think for Brisbane, the, is it, it's a big opportunity on the back of this because you get investment money in your races without the fixed cost. No, I understand so you, that, Hutsey, but it used to be the dominant... The Caulfield Guineas was a, was a huge... Yep. And it will still be huge. Don't get me wrong. So, and I'll be betting just as much in my little small $5 ways in, at Caulfield as I will at Randwick. Yeah, I'm because a you're a punter, not a, a punter. Punter, not a... Pundit not a fan, right? Which you famously told us about six weeks ago. <laughs> you're a pundit not a fan. Well, no, you're which a might fan. be the comment of the year. I'm yeah. going to make a t-shirt. I'm a pundit not a fan. I'm not a fan of racing. You? I'm a punter. <laughs> so Caulfield and Queensland and, and other states will get a halo effect, a knock-on mm. revenue effect without the overhead or the fixed cost. So it's a good day for them. By sitting so on just, their own hands. Yeah. So let's just give that 
some context it deserves. In Randwick, 31v6 is a big delta. Don't forget that that's seed funded, though, by the slot holders. So yeah. what are they, about a third of that? They're about, what are they, 700 a slot by 12, 13 or 14? Well, whatever sure it is, the, the total's $20 million. Let's just, I mean, yep. we, we, we can break it down all we like. The race but, is worth $20 million. But it's been a marketing masterclass by Correct. Peter Valandis in Racing New South Wales. The single man, rated, apparently. Yep, he's been smart enough to raid the other markets' newspapers. He's on the front page of the Herald Sun with a paid buy, which is smart business for both parties. Well, again, the, the Herald Sun, where it's, for you, as in where for you, as in Victoria, where for you, and there's been two yep, front page or, ads this week where they're pumping up yep, the Everest in Sydney. Where for you? The same deal. Well, yeah, I would too. But, I, but I, I'd, I'd remove a slogan off that day's paper, where for you. Well, you can't be for your community if you can't afford to exist. So that's a, that's a smart business to. <laughs> To, to develop partnerships. And then in Sydney, the launch was spectacular and the boat and the opera house and the the suspended betting. Like the, the barrier draw didn't happen in real time. It happened earlier and betting was suspended I to represent that. it I actually saw in prime that. time. It was almost like it was an embargoed uh, for, for 12 hours, wasn't it, from the public? It's genius. Mm. Absolute genius. In the meantime, we've had the Melbourne Cup Parade. Have I read that cancelled? Or Yeah, uh, there's a number of reasons for that. And again, I... I don't. I'm not. I'm not going to be too critical of this aspect of it because, actually, if anyone has had anything to do in a in a vehicle of any sorts trying to get through the city of Melbourne at the moment, with it, it just does not move, Hutchie. I I, I un- stupidly decided to drive across one side of town yesterday to the other, and I, and I don't know why I did this because I knew it was going to happen, and it happened up Co- up Collins Street from the Spencer end of it. I was trying to get to Spring Street, Hutchie. There were there were eleven sets of lights where a truck in front of me could not move a meter. So anyway, I'm, I'm raising I'm, what I'm raising that. What I'm, the reason I'm raising that is you cannot move in this town. So there's no way yeah. you could have a horse parade anywhere in town at the moment. And, and, and I'm not convinced it's even this big build that when, even when it's finished, it's going to improve things. But that's just yeah. another matter. I don't think I don't think we flock to the streets to see our best horses like we do our best footballers, do we? In Melbourne, I don't think it's a. I think it's a bit. But it has been a, a marketing masterclass from Racing New South Wales, who and led by Peter, and they are the best at what they do. You give me four minutes there. I'm probably getting close to it. That's the most you've ever conceded on a conversation along these lines. So I'll I'll give you that. No, I think I've told you, I think that New South Wales racing and Queensland racing are are wonderfully marketed businesses and they do a great job of, of, um, of infiltrating the Victorian interest in racing. Mm. And, And Victoria has some work to do in that space. Some work to do. I, I, it hasn't. All it's done is complain about Peter Vlandis for six years now. Yeah, I don't think. I don't think the recent admin has complained. I think you're going back. To, you know, mm. I think the modern racing Victoria are much more. Um, have they got a collaborative? Have they got an idea themselves though to just to do something? Because the only thing they did do was introduce the All Star oh, Mile, which was which was which is a poor man's or poor person's well, version I of disagree the Everest. It's. I disagree. We have this argument every year. Your your philosophy of these things is do nothing and complain. That's not like try stuff. It no, 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 no. My, mate, come up with your own ideas is my philosophy, Hutchie. You, you try and do that. Well, there's only so many ways you can repackage a race, Damo. Well, that's... Peter Blaney, it didn't exist six years ago. It's become, it's, it's, it's as big as the Melbourne Cup now. Yeah. And, but... and that's in the space of six years. But if you, if you were running Victorian racing, you'd say, well, someone is taking all the money investing on this day, and why don't we be smart and try and benefit from it from a turnover perspective? And that, it will be a higher margin day for Victorian racing. And, New South, and Queensland racing than it will be for New South Wales racing because they're going to benefit from that investment which stimulates people's eyeballs interest and they're on eight, nine, ten times a day on that day. So yeah. 
Anyway, we just right. <laughs> you and me, we're gonna. Well, okay, yeah. well, let's speak. Hang on, speak and ideas. we're rejoining the podcast <laughs> now. All right. Well, speaking of innovative ideas, innovative ideas, you you had one yourself, and, and I raise it annually now because we're in the trade period, and, and you have single-handedly. And I say this every year, and if you want to fast forward through this part of it too, do so because we've had this conversation before. But how proud are you of what you have done in the creation of the interest around trade in the AFL space? We don't need to back over any of that again, but. Let's, let's talk about what's happened uh, this trade period. So, first of all, did you ever think that a new name would become such a commodity? Are you talking about a pre-agent? Is that what you're referring to? or Like a new name. So, you get up in the morning and you go, well, there's 30 or 40 players that we know of and they're all, you know, B or B-plus players or... And all of a sudden, Lockie Schultz's name emerges and it's a fresh <laughs> yeah. name. Yeah. Everyone goes, what? There's a fresh name and he's a, a top yeah. five player in his club and that name becomes you, like a commodity for 48 hours. Like, you what are you even, hearing on Lockie Schultz? You, you wouldn't know? even mention him in a preview of the goal. Of, and, and I like Lockie Schultz. I'm not sh- uh, shooting him down here. But you wouldn't mention him um, in the first 10 players of a preview of a, of a Dockers game, would you? In, in the course of the 2023 oh, I, season. I, I would. I think he finished the top five, top six best in fair. He's a good, great player. I like him. But, but, but yeah. he's, a, he's now a commodity to let the deal get done. <laughs> yeah. he's, now, he's, now, he's now a package that starts and ends with the outcome, and yep. you follow the narrative along the way. As Taylor Adams did, that name emerged out of... I'd be interested to know what's happened with Taylor Adams. Very ab- abnormal to hear yeah. a player approach, particularly a vice-captain of a club, approach a competitive club and ask for an opportunity. That's, Before the that's grand final, we learned yesterday yeah. too. Kenny Beetson of the Swans, who uh, is the club that he's now gone to, revealed, like, like volunteered it basically, that... He was approached, or their club was approached, by Taylor Adams as people in grand final week, or before the grand final, yep. of which he was still a Collingwood-listed player. And then you've got, for, for two and a half weeks, it gets pretty tricky for journalists who are fans of clubs <laughs> because you, you've got to manage your own love of your club. Oh. When, when now, has that ever some... influenced anyone? Though? If, if, you're any, if you're serious at your caper, when's that influenced anyone? And we've talked a lot about the duffel coat wearing journos in particularly in Melbourne who and there's two types of journos who barrack for clubs right there's the journalist who loves them so much they're always critical on them yeah. and there's the journalist that loves them so much they're always positive about them <laughs> now yeah. the, the better of the two sets of human beings is the second category those that just love their club and are passionate and I think we all give them a big smile so they're the better human I, beings but the, the lesser journos is that what you're saying? no no they're very good human beings and very good journalists who have just perhaps a hint of a blind spot on their own footy club a blind spot but in a, a positive way in a positive way and they're not cynical or bitter or you know, typical lesson that we're not going to win this weekend so they're definitely their own goal here. We know there's a few of them around town. So there's there's the positive type. And I'm going to put Sam Landsberger in that category. <laughs> I didn't know where you were going, but I keep going. Great journalist. Hats off. One of the one of the, the uh, rising stars of journalism and probably on, on track to be the chief footy reporter of the Herald Sun at some point in his trajectory. So you already use, isn't he? And and breaks stories and very good opinions. And it's got a friendly blind spot. That's the Bulldogs. Loves the Bulldogs. His dad's a club doctor, I think, still, isn't he, Jake? Loves the Bulldogs. So this is the one I liked during the week, Damo. I love it when you bring stuff like this. It's got nothing to do with anything, but you've somehow managed to find an article that's tickled your fancy. So the Bulldogs are traded pick 10, 17, and their first pick in 2024. Three first-round picks to get pick four, right? Yep. And I don't know anything about the trade these days. I'm a long way removed. But I saw three picks for one, and I thought... 
gee, it's going to be interesting how the Bulldogs defend this in the paper the next day. <laughs> so I went looking for the defence of the Bulldogs. I didn't need to go to the defence of the Bulldogs. I went to Sam Landsberger's column. Right. This was the headline. Dogs smart business to attack front-loaded draft. Um, it was a swap of precious picks that were considerably more appealing. Three first rounds for one. What were they thinking? Question mark. And that's some flinch reaction. Um, however, um, it goes on to say it was shrewd move and it showed the Bulldogs mean business in 24, Damo. Right. Let's cut to the chase, Sam writes. Power brokers at the Dogs believe they have a top four list. And right now they hold a top four pick. It's rare for a club yeah. in immediate pursuit of premiership to hold such a precious pick. It was smart business, Damo. Was it? Okay. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's your passion of your of your, uh, of your own club. Well, I, 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 like that. I saw that that came after they'd already won the premiership last week. Um, they, they won the premiership last week, I, I saw from their supporters, when they uh, re-signed Aaron Norton, that that was a premiership move that they yeah. won the premiership, and, and North Melbourne support that North's won the premiership to this week, Archie. I see on the back of AFL handouts. They, yep, and then the, the other one is, and we always look for the one. It doesn't take long for someone to emerge as having a quite unquite. What's the two words that someone's always got? Well, you tell me. War chest. Oh, war chest. <laughs> I didn't want to say it. I refuse to say it. And you know who's got the war chest this oh, year? Everyone's got war chest. You either, see, hang on, hang on. Now this year, Hutchie, there's been the emergence of a different war chest. You've got the the cash war chest, but now you've also got the draft pick war chest. Yes, you it's that? true. There's, so every, there's different club, uses of war chest. Every club spends exactly the same amount of money, give or take, in the salary cap. But somehow, there's always one club that's sitting on this massive buried amount of cash in the backyard called a war chest, and. Yep. This year, the the uh, the prediction was from the papers that Essendon are going to be the free agent kings for years <laughs> to come because of their war chest. Oh, no. <laughs> hey, just let me get a few things off my chest here because we've been doing this now for a while, and the free agency's been part of it for a dozen years. And you, you know my views on, on yep. the compensation component. Well, the, comp- the compensation picks have jumped the shark. They're, well, so, thank you, thank you. Thank you. I agree with everything you've said and written in the last two weeks. Do you really? Well, yep. I've been saying it for 12 years. It's not as if I'm onto this now. I've been saying it from, from the very the, first year. I said it shouldn't have been compensation. When the system gets so distorted that you ring other clubs and say, uh, if you're not interested in our fullback or our small forward, then you should be. And here's the amount of money we reckon you should pay. Yeah. And here's how we could do this together. Hmm. Then you know the system's flawed. It's yep. a, it's become a it's become a veiled veiled trade is what it it's has. become. And, and the AFL over- will, will proudly say that it's a formula. And it, it, look, even for the purpose of this conversation, let, let, let's let's agree there's a formula. But I think it's gone from a I think it's gone from a formula to an equalisation measure. Well, well, clearly that's what it is because there's another yep. reference in the same formula um, explanations that, it, that and it's a reference. The, the compensation is not meant to, and this is a quote, fully compensate for loss of player. But, okay, again, we, again, we'll take that at face value too. But it's certainly not meant to overcompensate, no, as, as is now happening on every single free agent who's moving a club. If you're a bottom six club, you're getting a bit of mayonnaise and secret sauce on top. And if you're a top four club or a rich club, you're getting taxed. Yeah. On the pick. What, no one, doubt in my mind about that. One more on this too. Now, now North, AFL just threw, just, just like confetti, just gave North Melbourne a couple of first-round picks. Uh, one from this year and two two first-round picks at the end of first round for 2024. When they did that and they took out the trash about now before the Brownlow medal this year, and I say they're taking out the trash because our listeners uh, reminded us to that after it happened because all the debate, it was fired up and then we had the Brownlow and then we had grand final and we move on as we do. There was a, a package, Hutchie. So three first-round picks have been given 
in North Melbourne. When that was released, there was this package and this paragraph within the release. Now, I just want you to pick up on what's happened here. While the package is set for two years, the AFL Commission reserves the right to review special assistance picks in 2024 should the club materially increase its on-field performance in the 2024 season. Do you know where I'm heading with this? Yeah, well, what I think that was meant to do was meant to encourage them to get them out the door now. Well, that's exactly what they've done. The, the, the two yep. picks they've been given for 2024 have, have now gone off their yeah. books. So, so there'll be no reviewing of that on the well, back was, of an improvement in 2023. I, They're gone. I think, I think that was smart business because it, it incentivised them to move them now, which is what the AFL need them to do. Mm. The AFL need them to get better quicker. Yeah. I think I think that was smart. Well, so they, they won the premiership anyway. So they've so they've had two premiership <laughs> winners already. The Bulldogs won it last week with Norton, and North has won it this week with the the Freedom. I thought you were back in the tent. Have you not had another uh, thorny moment with the Kangaroos? I, I think I've been out for about six months again. What's happened? <laughs> what? No, see, this is the issue, Hutchie. I again, I got I'm not after. Back in. I don't want you anything. You're doing the coffee rounds. I don't want anything other the than Kool-Aid. this. Is what I do in this. Just insert club name here, and it happens to be North Melbourne. It's not because I I support North Melbourne that I should be supportive of them. If it was Richmond, West Coast, Fremantle, it's insert the club that's getting the concessions that I don't like, Hutchie. It just happens to be the one I do support. Oh, I didn't didn't know you'd fallen out of the tent. No, I haven't fallen out. You worked so hard to get back in that tent. I think the zip's been put up, though, a bit higher than it was. (laughs) (laughs) It's been zipped up, that door. (laughs) Not that I I don't really need need nor want to go into it. You have a complicated relationship. With your football club, North Melbourne, don't you? I think they've put that that other little annex over it too, just to make it a little bit yeah. more distant. Yeah. So. Yeah. Anyway, they'll, they'll sort themselves out, won't they? Eventually. <laughs> they hey, what did you make of? Um, and this is another bugbear of mine. The uh, the whole uh, issue with what Hawthorne did this time last year to set themselves up to not win as many matches as they could. Did it beautifully. Finished 16th. Couldn't have finished lower. Two matches behind the 15th place team. So well done. Looked good at times. Really good at times. But still finished 16th. What did you make of Tom Mitchell, who clearly on the back of winning a premiership? at his new club, deciding to use his own platform, and you'd be quite impressed with that, Ball Magnets, yep. we need to yep. attribute. It's his own platform. It's his it's own uh, company. It's his own podcast uh, outlet. And he was as open as any player has ever been, I feel anyway, about what happened in a uh, in a transfer out of the club. And he did it all with the uh, context and comfort of being a crucial player on grand final day for his new club. Yeah, well, I, first of all, the people see the world differently. So, he his view was that he was squeezed out, he was mistreated. He was. And he was, he was, was a Brownlee medalist. He was phased out. He was phased out in 2022. I just didn't want him. Now, Hawthorne were pretty clear that they were going to drive an agenda of drive the older players out. So, I don't think they made any secret about that. And uh, Tom went on and played in a premiership with somewhere where he's valued. I reckon that's magnificent. He had a real value there. Yep. You could argue he maybe. Maybe gets Taylor Adams a spot on going or would have been line ball and might have been one of the reasons Taylor left. You look at Hawthorne, though, I just have a completely different view. Will Day won the best and fairest. That doesn't happen if Mitchell or O'Meara are around. Newcomb ran second. I think whoever ran so, third. Someone's got to win it. I mean, someone's got to win a best and fairest at each club. But he got, Will Day emerged and developed into a, into a really fine and potentially great young player and captain. I don't disagree uh, with that. But, but someone's uh, got to win it. Someone, someone has to win it. So I, I'd love the Hawthorne strategy. I thought it was smart. I, I'm not sold on... They still uh, finished Joel- 16th, Hutchie. Don't each their own. My view, I think they did a magnificent job of getting to where they've got to. I don't, I don't like to see... I don't think Chol was part of the master plan. It felt That feels like the first 
not desperate move, but the first, oh dear, we're one light here and we really need someone and he's the best available. Well, they phased, As, like they phased Mitchell and Amira out, they phased Kaczynski yeah. out. They, they wanted him to leave and now he has chosen Richmond and, and as we're talking this morning on this Thursday, yet to be done. But they want yep. pick 25 for him and they, they want him. Come on. I don't think I don't think the Chol move is the right one. I think it's just the only available one yep. for them. And he on his, on his best day, he's a, he's a very good player, Chol, but he's not a player that they can necessarily trust and they've got desperate and, and they've that, been built they've been building a trustworthy team so it just feels to me like they've made 16 17 good moves and then they've this is a, a prop up or a, is it possible though that the the landscape that they created for themselves and that was let's move out people last year and and treat them Questionably, let's go with questionably. In, and, and Tom Mitchell has certainly um, endorsed that questionable element to it. That, that maybe they're not the destination club that they felt that they were going to be so quickly, because a lot of people they've approached, and a lot of people, to your point, have said no. Yeah, maybe yeah, it's probably, because they don't want to walk into a club. I think like they're that. probably a year off being a destination club, probably. Okay. So yeah, it's their own. Sam and Tom Mitchell would have different views. They're their own people. And oh yeah. That's the way it goes. And what I will say about Sam Mitchell, he's not going to worry one bit about what Thompson did. In bit. fact, he will almost use it as an endorsement of what he did. And 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 that's why I always love the way Sam Mitchell carries himself because he's uh, he's regularly had people coming at him for his entire time in the game, initially as a player. And now as a coach, and he, he will not care, and he will continue to do it his own way, and they are the sort of people that I do admire the most when it's all said and done, even though I don't agree with what he has been doing recently in the isolation of the last two years. We disagree, and we see it a bit different. Yeah, it's just a bit, yeah. bit footy-heavy for me today. Yeah, it was. Actually, let's stay with footy, but a different code. Wallabies. Now, you were very, very supportive of uh, that... Uh, I won't use the word I was about to use, actually. Eddie Jones... Wallabies when you say supportive, what do you mean? Well, you thought he was a semi-genius the way he was treating media on the way out of Australia, overseas. No, I, la- I laughed at it. You I were it supportive. Funny. You were supportive. And I said he's either a genius or he's losing his mind. And I think we now know what it was. It was the latter, wasn't it? Because well, he, he it, couldn't it, even get Australia through the qualification stages, the, the, yeah. the pool stages. It, in... In hindsight, those comments, I can't remember what I said at the time, so I'm trying to stay consistent. I, I don't remember being... Oh, you remember the famous or infamous, and, and actually we yeah, might get Geordie here to, to maybe... We'll keep talking, but Geordie can retrofit in, the, the, the well, infamous uh, airport media conference where Eddie Jones yeah, lost I, I, his marbles. Was... I can feel this negativity coming out. I can't... I've got to wash myself off, boys. <laughs> I've got to wash myself off because it's just no, sticking, sticking to me. Eddie, Thanks for the worst press conference I've ever had in World Rugby. Worst press conference. Well done, boys. Can we finish? That is the worst I've ever seen. Can we have one? Worst I've ever seen. Right? Uh, Forget it, boys. It was funny at the time. No, it wasn't. It was distress. Again, I'm not one to um, protect media and, and journalists. Actually, I'm not because we're all big people and we got to we got to fight our own battles. But it was disrespectful. I don't, even if it wasn't journalism, it was just disrespectful with how we treated a bunch of people. Well, it didn't. It, you can treat the journalists however you like, but it, it's yeah, I agree when you that. don't when you don't win. Yeah, it's brand damaging, and. With the Japanese story seemingly having some real legs, like that—that's a real. Um, the Japanese media reporting that's going to happen. He's going to coach them. Uh, it just feels uh, wounded between the two parties, isn't it, Eddie and 
and uh, and the Wallabies and yeah, it's um, I'd suspect he's got another job on the on the table. Yeah, well, again, let, let, let's come clean on all that, Eddie, because you know you 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 were questioning people who were questioning you and yep. some of your motives and some of your tactics and your coaching. Now the backdrop is that you were open to conversations of a nature that have you not even part or not have you invested in it yep. yourself. So, so let's just come clean and, and, and put it all on the table so we can all work it out. And what he said was, um, at the press conference, was, which made me laugh, was, you know, to keep going with the negativity. I'm surrounded and I'm drowning and I'm almost going to need to go and have a shower with so much negativity. And that's sometimes how I feel after the sounding board, to be fair, when I'm working with you. So I reckon <laughs> I related to him. I related to him. You know, sometimes I try and come in here with a positive frame of mind. I get caught in your cynicism and negativity. Well, I have to go and have a shower afterwards. So... So I related to what he had to say. Well, it's episode 37, and we're coming out of grand final into trade period. I'm, I'm a little bit jaded. I'll, I'll give you that. I'll concede that on yeah. this week. By oh, the way, just um, just before we finish up today, just a little footnote. Um, this was our first episode without Jane, so if you think it's been of poor quality, it's probably going to take us some time to to adjust. Hang on, you're putting that on Geordie, are you? But Jane, last week we gave Jane a beautiful 10-minute farewell off the top of the show, I thought. <laughs> yeah, we, we reflected did. on her journey in the sounding board after 13 years yeah, of the business. Yeah, we did. And then Jane officially left the building on Tuesday. Jane, on her socials, Yeah. I reckon on Instagram, on Facebook, on TikTok, there was like a, there was like hours of devotion to Caro and oh, to Corey. Yeah, I'm really going to miss. Don't shoot the messenger. It was just an amazing part of my life. And then in the footnote, all the asterisks. By the way, I also did the sounding board. We we could not have been more than a set of steak knives in the exit if we tried, Damo. I didn't come up with this. I don't, I don't follow Jane on. I'm not on Facebook. So is that where it was? I'm going to go and find this. Actually, I'm going to ring and Jane. There, there was like just this beautiful farewell to each other, and we were just like, oh, I also had the opportunity to work with these guys. But anyway, so we work where we are in the pecking order, Damo. Well, we knew that in the early days when we'd go yeah, into the studio, and yeah. and if there were flowers in the studio, we knew that Caro and Corey were going to come in straight after we'd finished. And sure enough, there they were, yep. knocking on the door just before our show had finished. Then they come yep. and the flowers were there. You guys got to finish there, got to start exactly then, on nine. And then the lemon tree, <laughs> like she was bringing lemons in and uh, there, was, yep. there was wine. So anyway, and, yeah. our first one without Jane, we'll get this back on track next week. This has been the sounding board <laughs> for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to take on a new producer, choose to Drinkwise. Thanks for listening to the Sounding Board Podcast with Hutchie and Damo. Tune in for questions tomorrow and to send a question to the boys, email thesoundingboard at sen.com.au, follow the show on Twitter at Sounding Board EP and like the Facebook page. It's all thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Drinkwise.